0: Oh, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. This is your monthly installment of This Month in the Apocalypse, where we talk about the shitty news from around the world. And but also some
1: to- cool stuff.
0: And some funny stuff. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts today, Brooke. And with me is...
1: Um, I, well, I'm Inman. Um, and my brain is yeah, in a, a horrifying state today. Um, which only, which only comes, you know, from, from researching heavily about, uh, unfortunately, mostly bad things that happened, but also some, some cool things that, that happened in the last month.
0: All right. Let's talk about those. But first let's give a shout out to one of the other podcasts on the channel zero network of anarchist podcast, to which we also belong. But here's some words from some of our friends. Do, 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 do. I know the kind of pain you're feeling Alex I once had it myself
2: you some kind of doctor
0: no Alex
2: I am Magneto and I have come to offer you
0: sanctuary hello this is our jingo for our podcast the grounded futures show this is the show where we discuss topics ranging from climate change to identity, to how youth can gain new skills to thrive amid current and ongoing disasters that we are collectively facing. We are your hosts, one Gen Z Liam and one Gen X Carla.
1: And we think we all deserve to thrive now and not in some distant utopian future.
2: Yeah, but that's in the future. Oh, I hate the future.
0: Yeah, we're with Bolin. Grounded Futures is a larger project. So check that out over at groundedfutures.com. And we're back. Welcome back. So many fun things to talk about. I'm sorry you've also had to spend the morning reviewing all sorts of terrible events in the world.
1: Um, I, you know, I ran into a friend um, last night and. Um, they made a joke about. Um, they were like, "Oh, what have you been up to?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know, mostly just just work, you know, doing podcasts and things." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, 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 you've you've really like professionalized doom scrolling." Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I felt good about that or not, but. Um, <laughs> It's
0: it's complicated, right? Like I don't I don't want that to be my job, but also I guess it's nice that somebody does it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I just want to shout out for like a lot of people who have um who have uh, sent us messages um fair, fairly recently about enjoying these segments, which I think we we were on the fence about them for like a little while, I think about like whether whether we liked them or whether they felt useful or, or whether they just like inspired dread and despair and a lot of thanks to everyone who's like reached out to be like like no no i really like these segments um and they do the opposite of despair so thank thank you for sure thank you, everyone
0: yeah i've got something that's the opposite of despair
1: to share oh really you. what yeah. is what is the opposite of despair
0: revenge travel oh do you okay. know what this is
1: N- no i have no idea what you're
0: Okay, but... <laughs> so if I say the phrase to you, revenge travel, what do you assume? Like what would you or what would you guess that I'm talking about?
1: Um, I th- think what my assumption is, I feel like it is related to like remote work. Is it related to remote work?
0: No, it's not.
1: Okay. I have no idea what, what you what it is then.
0: Okay. I saw it in the headline, and then of course this wonderful <laughs> clickbait, and I had to click on it. And I assumed it meant like traveling to get revenge on somebody either like taking a trip to spite them or like going somewhere to exact revenge. I don't know. Like I've never heard this phrase before, but apparently mm-hmm. it's a uh, travel that people have done um, since COVID because they weren't able to travel during the worst of the pandemic.
1: Oh, so. Okay. I,
0: see. <laughs> I know it's way less exciting. And like the article that I read about it mentions revenge travel multiple times but it never specifically just explains it i had to like glean that from the rest of the text of the article (laughs) so it's not the fun thing that you think it is but maybe we should make it a fun thing revenge travel
1: yeah it oh okay so now that you say that the thing that it reminds me of is um which i'm totally uh guilty of is um have you heard of bedtime revenge procrastination i think that's what it's called
0: i can guess what you mean but i have not heard of it
1: <laughs> um bed, bedtime revenge procrastination is when you um when you stay up late even though you have to wake up very early um because it's it's due to like a sense of like lack of control over your the autonomy of uh, your time I'm- um It's it's called like bedtime revenge, Um, meaning that you're you're revenging yourself upon time, but (laughs) the cost is still your time and energy because, you know, you get less you get less sleep.
0: I psychologically understand that, like, you know, resting control thing. But at the same time, like I'm a person who really needs my full night of sleep and consistent or else I quickly deteriorate and also become a horrible human being so i also can't imagine doing that to myself because that sounds awful
1: <laughs> yeah i did it to myself for like the entirety of high school because i had like an absolutely unreasonable schedule like i i got on average five to four hours of sleep a night for like the entirety of high school
0: wow i feel bad yeah. for young young women. <laughs> me too. So, I'm sorry you did that to yourself. Okay, well me let me too. finish saying this about revenge travel. Oh that, yeah. Um they, they it's it's nothing major. It's mostly the headlines hilarious in the phrase. But um there was a huge boom in travel in 2022 as uh, covid restrictions um eased and people were able to travel again, so they were taking their I guess revenge against covid maybe is the mm-hmm. what they were taking revenge on or just revenge on not being able to travel. Anyway, and that continued a bit into 2023. Uh, but the boom seems to have slowed, and we're kind of back to more normal pre-pandemic levels. Um, especially uh, places that do surveys of consumer demand to figure out, you know, people's intentions to travel and their plans for it, um, and people are sort of back to normal, i.e., pre-pandemic levels of of intention to travel. So,
1: okay, um, can I, golly, Can I, can I do a little mini rant about that? I'm replacing yes, Margaret. Margaret's I mean, rants in today. The- <laughs> oh good. Um,
0: <laughs> what yeah. would this episode be without a rant or two? <laughs>
1: um it's just like the like I like I don't know, like I remember after um you know, like the 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 summer the summer in the northern hemisphere after like um uh, mass vaccination occurred um and people feeling like they could like move around, travel and like do a lot more and like what felt like a safer safer way to do that um but and i i don't think this isn't targeted at revenge travel as much as it's targeted at a lot of people's like mentalities like throughout covid were like being upset at like think at like the government or being upset at like society for like for making them like be cooped up in their in their houses or whatever, making them like like have these like lower modes of travel. And it felt really it felt really weird to hear it from like a lot of people, like people who are like really angry about it. And it's like, I get it. It was hard and it sucked for like a lot of people, but like, I don't know. I remember when like lockdown started that I was like, Like, you know, I was, I'm, I'm never thrilled for a government imposed lockdown, but like Mm -hmm. what I was thrilled for, I was like, people just have like the chance to like, or, you know, some people just have the chance to like chill a little bit and like take some, have some space from their lives. But like, I'm not upset that like, we're doing the right thing by slowing down, you know?
0: I feel like in that first couple of weeks, too, you know, there's at least a couple of weeks that, like, pretty much everyone stopped doing everything and we all got to slow down for a minute. And there was something special in that time before all of the, you know, rage and conflict and conspiracies and everything blew up. But there was a brief moment, I think, for pretty much everyone. Maybe a little bit horrible, but also special.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, obviously it's it's way more complicated than that. But I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm never upset that like like yeah, there it was it was it was a hard year and a half and it continues to be really hard for like so many people and I'm thrilled to have been doing the right thing. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. For sure. Not here. Anyways, um, you know who doesn't do the right thing? Or maybe oh, this is.
0: <laughs> do you want a list? Should I or should I go just go do a whole rant here on? Uh, maybe you should just tell me. There's too many options.
1: Um, OK, so if the well, hypothetical situation, you're faced with a problem. Um, so here in Arizona, they're going to call. Sorry. <laughs> um, here in Arizona, there is there's weirdly not that many regulations around like uh, like like groundwater usage and stuff It's um, wild to me it, it really is wild but if you lived in a town that had halted um con- new construction new development um but you really wanted to build a mega city what would you do
0: oh god i'm a billionaire aren't i aren't i i'm a billionaire in this scenario
1: um in this scenario, no, you are actually not a billionaire. Um oh. but although there's there's a weirdly similar thing happening with a billionaire. Uh, okay, well
0: then I would do the right thing if I'm not corrupted by having way too much money.
1: So, okay. Um would you but but would you consider building a 1000-mile pipeline to the Missouri River?
0: Oh fuck. <laughs> no, because no, no. <laughs>
1: Or which water consider- is sacred.
0: <laughs> it should not be forced to travel like that. That's
1: wrong. Okay. So your other alternative is to build a 200 mile pipeline nope to the Gulf of California.
0: Nope. <laughs> it's also also not it's water's not supposed to travel that far. We we go to the water. The water's not supposed to be made to come to us. That's how um, that's how it works. <laughs>
1: I'm waiting for a QAnon person to comment, what about rivers? You know? Anyways, um, so the the town of... <laughs> uh, the
0: town just, I'm <laughs> just going to sigh in anger and sadness for a while. I'm, I'm going to mute myself and just sigh for an hour while you, while you explain expect.
1: Okay. Um, okay, so this is <laughs> where normally uh, a rant about the city of Phoenix would occur. But this is a rant about a city that is literally adjacent to Phoenix, which some would argue is actually a part of Phoenix, but is like really hell bent on not being a part of Phoenix because they want to be their own mega city. And this is the city of Buckeye, Arizona. Um, Okay. And Buckeye, it's basically a suburb of, of Phoenix and they, their their populations like I think it's like one hundred and seventy thousand right now, and they aspire to grow the population to over one point five million, which is about what the population of Phoenix is. Um, I was gonna
0: say that's 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 a lot of people. So that's a big yeah, city.
1: yeah, and it it seems to be just because like the local politicians and like city council or whatever want to be like big deals. Like they just I'm sorry, want... if
0: you're if your city's called Buckeye, I think there's <laughs> not I think there's not hope for you. You need to start by rebranding the name of your city if you want to just a, a chance in hell. But Buckeye, Arizona, I think is never gonna be no just the name. Just it's just, it's just it falls flat on its face on the name.
1: Yeah, yeah. But they for some reason they want to grow their city. Um I think it's it seems to be wrapped up in like those local politicians wanting to be big deals.
0: Capitalism
1: um, and ego. Yeah. And, but they, they can't, they're, so the, the, the state has kind of halted like, uh, construction, like new construction or new development in those areas, um, because, uh, the like groundwater use like hit a limit. And this, this comes after some, uh, developments in Phoenix were halted because of, uh, lack of water security. So there's, there's very little regulation about groundwater in Arizona, but there is this thing where water has to be guaranteed for a hundred years in order to build a new house, for example. So, like, if a new housing development is going up, then water has to be guaranteed to be at that house for a hundred years. Um,
0: that sounds great, but I have a lot of follow-up questions for the city of Phoenix and Arizona and how that actually maths out. But okay, I do go
1: on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean how how it maths out is like that you know Phoenix doesn't they heavily rely on the Colorado River for for water usage. Um and the city of Phoenix which to put in proportion what the city of Buckeye is aspiring to do is the city of Phoenix uses about 2 billion gallons of water a day. Um and as like a new fun thing cuz the more that we talk about water on the show the more I'm like trying to visualize what water looks like um what do you think two billion gallons of water looks like
0: i'm trying to imagine some body of water that i am familiar with in order to conceptualize that and i'm wondering how big crater lake is because that's maybe water capacity wait wait while wait while i inefficiently google (laughs) things okay that's 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 way too much water um okay it is, tell it me, is one, tell me. I can't it,
1: it is one inch on Lake Mead, one inch of water is two billion gallons of water um okay,
0: I don't have a good reference for like how big lake mead is, but i but I hear you.
1: yeah, you know the that lake that everyone references when we're talking about water scarcity in the west is the constant like depletion of lake mead it's it's weird how that has become like the 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 gauge it's like our gauge for fear and disparity is like is how was what the water levels in lake mead are um but do you want to know a fun thing about lake mead i do um lake mead uh the the water has we there was like this crazy low point in 2022 and this is actually a fun a fun thing but the lake has risen 23 feet since that low point in 2022
0: okay um, i mean that's normal right because of the season that we're in
1: yeah yeah and um after like a you know a recent pretty dry spell this summer um in august due to record snowfall i guess like the previous winter uh the, oh, okay. the lake rose 13 inches in seven days um, Okay, which which is like you know 27 billion gallons of water sounds like a lot and yeah it does sound now, like a lot like a, yeah like a lot a lot like a lot a lot but to like put bil- that 27 billion
0: which is only like a foot and some two billion no wait two billion one inch is that right
1: yeah two billion one inch and
0: 13 inches a foot a footish yeah right a footish
1: yeah which is only like seven days of water for the city oh, of God. phoenix
0: <laughs> okay i'm like a foot of water in the
1: lake is a lot and then
0: uh yeah you say seven. Um, okay right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm sorry um, do go on
1: <laughs> no yeah sorry this 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 is the city of buckeye story is jumping all over the place but um in one of the like more weird moves that they're considering is um is they want to build a pipeline from Puerto Penasco in Mexico to Phoenix, which is, it's about a 200-mile, like, pipeline that would be built. And it would go right through the Oregon Pipe National Cactus Monument. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. And this... No big uh, deal. Right, National Monuments? (laughs) No big deal. No. Yeah. Yeah um but it's being it's being this this is being heavily pushed for not just by the city of Buckeye but by a contractor like company called IDE which is an Israeli company who thinks oh. it's a really great idea to uh build this 200 mile pipeline between Port of and uh the city of Buckeye um and it's part of this like growing seemingly growing trend of instead of like Instead of dealing with water resources on like a, you know, like a local level or any kind of uh resource on a local level, we're in in this age of industrialization of like, well, they have this other resource a thousand miles away or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) What if we moved that resource and or so that we can sustain this like absolutely unreasonable population growth in, in, uh, and and not like a natural population growth, like the city of Buckeye like full, is like yeah. we want to grow the population. This is not like what the city's naturally doing, you know. Um. Okay, so but, they're bringing
0: in water to support. The, you know what? Sorry, I want to go off on a whole side tangent because oh yeah. I have so yeah, many yeah. questions about Buckeye, but I'm going to stop. We can talk about it <laughs> another time. I'm sorry, <laughs> just so curious.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so the, the some of the bigger problems with the with the pipeline are that, um, it would they don't have a plan for dealing with like the the desalinization plants. They don't have like a uh, you' don't have a made. plan for dealing with the uh, like the salty material that they <laughs> remove from the water, except to <laughs> dump it back into the Gulf of California. Um.
2: <laughs> oh my god. And so,
1: so you know like people people in Mexico are like not stoked about this because no. it will destroy like ecological centers in the Gulf of California.
2: Yeah.
1: Um oh oh okay I remembered the other bit. So IDE, the Israeli company that's building who, who wants to build the pipeline, they also build desalinization plants. Um and ah, like, and that's where the Gaza. big
0: money is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um And yeah, it's just, it's, it's very, it's very strange idea. They want to, they want to put it through the Oregon Pipe National Monument, which like there's, there's like a lot of pushback because like, that's like a, it's a national monument. It's this federally protected wildlife area. And there's a lot of pushback from an environmental perspective. Do you know what else is in Oregon Pipe National Monument?
0: Besides the cacti? Yeah.
1: Um, let's see. Are there? What is a great birds, thing to have in?
0: Flowers, like,
1: oh, or near a federally protected wildlife area.
0: Oh, wildlife that needs special protection.
1: A bombing range.
0: Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I see. You're being sarcastic.
1: <laughs> You're silly me. I was trying to guess the real answer.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my God. It is, it is a bombing range. Of course, um,
0: of course it is. Yeah. That's what we did. That's what Arizona's for is blowing shit up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Blowing shit up. And, um, the. <laughs> I just only, saw
0: Oppenheimer. Sorry.
1: Okay. It, it only, <laughs> it only gets worse because, um, the other thing that goes on in the Oregon National Monument is that it's like, it is a heavily trafficked corridor for migration between um, the U.S. and Mexico for, mm. you know, for, for, for animals, for, and for people. Um, and it is also one of the most deadly corridors in, along the U.S.-Mexico border oh. for, um, for undocumented migrants coming from Mexico, South America, Central America, um, like up through Mexico and the the U.S.-Mexico border. Um mm. And so it 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 represents this strange thing where like uh like the government or people or like whoever they have large problems with like things like a pipeline going through somewhere but they have and Oregon Pipe National Monument as like an agency has no problem with like rampant border militarization or um wow. a bombing range that's like right next door so
0: man i will never make sense of people's priorities
1: yeah anyways that is a very long rant on city of buckeye but um. <laughs> that's,
0: that's more attention than buckeye deserves ever but
1: here we are <laughs> um what what else is happening in the southwest um there's some stuff that happened in vegas
0: that's right uh there's some looming there's a looming strike in the hospitality industry in vegas um, I don't know how well this known this is amongst people, but um, Vegas has a very, very strong union for um, various hospitality workers. It might be multiple unions, forgive me for not knowing exactly, but your, your housekeeping workers, your bartenders, your food servers, um, all of those service industries that are uh, so central to the hospitality industry, which is central to the economy of Vegas um, and a lot of Nevada, uh, have very strong... Um, unions there that do a great job representing them and, and getting them um you know fair wages and those kinds of things. Uh so one of the major contracts um uh expired in June of this year 2023. Um so negotiations for a new contract started back in April. Um they did not reach agreement in June, so they extended the contract deadline to se- September and that is now expired and they are still negotiating but the union has, um, voted to authorize, uh, a strike if necessary. Um, the union is asking for higher wages, more safety protections and stronger recall rights, meaning uh, rights to return to their work. Um, so on the issue of safety for the unions, um, abuse of hospitality workers is on the rise in the U S uh, and particularly in Vegas. Um, and I like to think that all of our listeners have are, are the kind of folks who have had a service industry job at some point in their lives and would never, ever throw something at a housekeeper.
1: Um, oh, God.
0: But, uh, you, you know, just in case it needs to be said, if, if your room is really dirty and you're upset about it, don't throw things at the housekeeper who's trying to clean. It's not it's not not a great way to, to go. Um. Yeah,
1: don't, <laughs> don't do that.
0: Yeah, there's there's increasing reports of of um, housekeepers getting uh, yelled at, having things thrown at them, being threatened with abuse, um, because uh, there are it's a complicated thing. So this also ties into their recall rights that they're asking for. Um, Hotel workers, uh, hospitality workers. Um, saw a significant decline in the number of people doing those jobs during the pandemic, partly because there was significantly less travel and then also restrictions on how many people you could book on a floor or in a hotel or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um hotels, you know, laid off a lot of their workers and then like many other places have had a hard time um rehiring. So they're not back up to the staffing levels that they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um so there's fewer people spread around, uh, you know, a, a wider workload. Um, uh, and then part of that, the reason for the for the lack of rehiring was because they didn't have recall rights. So there was no reason for people to assume that they were going to be able to go back to their jobs or get their jobs back. So they, you know, left the state or left the industry or what have you. Um, uh, so there's fewer workers to do the work specifically, especially of the cleaning Uh, work and then also um consumers are demanding less frequent cleanings for the most part in their hotel rooms i don't know Mm -hmm. about you when you travel or the last time you went to a hotel i am the kind of person that uh does not want housekeeping at all during my stay whether it's one day or five days Mm -hmm. i I put out my do not disturb sign uh and i I guess that's true of about 40 percent of hotel guests don't they choose not to have housekeeping the downside of that is that when housekeeping does come in after someone's left, the rooms are usually messier than they would be if they had a daily cleaning. Um, yeah. So, housekeeping has to do a deeper clean, and they don't necessarily have, because they're short staffed uh, and it's a deeper clean than they would plan for, don't necessarily have the time to really turn over the room as thoroughly mm-hmm. as they should. That difficult contrast between trying to get all the rooms at least a little bit versus doing a few rooms and doing them well and then not having some rooms yeah um so that's the other thing if you're if you're a person like me out there in the world and and you're staying at a hotel and you don't like to have housekeeping uh, do try and do them the kindness of whatever bits of uh, cleanup you can on the way out so it's faster for them to turn over the room yeah um Anyway, so they are uh, continuing negotiations, but they the union has the uh, union workers have authorized a uh, strike or intermittent work stoppages um, if needed, and uh, you know we fully support them doing that if that's what they uh, need to do. They, oh yeah, yeah. They would not be the only ones that have done that, even in the last year, or or even uh, super recently. Kaiser Permanente, you may have heard about this, uh, had a. Uh, a three-day walkout um, at all of their locations. Appointments canceled uh, and that kind of thing. So they, um, they, sh- the Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers went on strike um, and they've reached a tentative deal. Um, and also somewhat recently, but a little bit longer ago was the um, uh, Writers Union in Hollywood went on strike mm-hmm. and they were on strike for quite a bit. Um, but uh, they are back to work having uh, gotten a lot of what they wanted. Yeah. Um United Auto Workers Union uh is in negotiations um for contract um with all with the major sorry. With the major car manufacturers in the US. Um they have had some uh work stoppages uh throughout the negotiation process and may uh, have a full stoppage or a full strike at some point as well uh so yeah lots of lots of worker strikes going on or have gone on and have been successful in recent times and uh, support those workers uh, not only in their rights to strike but also in treating them well <laughs> when we are <laughs> traveling
1: <laughs> yeah and encouraging yeah. others
0: to do the same
1: yeah they're This kind of relates to my mini rant earlier about like, you know, things shutting down or not being less available, which is Mm -hmm. like uh, one of the really cool things that I saw out of the uh, the Writers Guild strike was Mm -hmm. um, was people who's like, you know, like whether it's like talk show hosts or like whoever who are like during the strike and then like after the strike are like, like, yeah, it was it was hard to not do the show for however long but like what is far worse and much harder is that like these very simple demands were not met like before the strike or on day 1 of the strike and like i yeah. don't know just like it's like shifting this mentality from like i'm sad that like the new season of stranger things is on hiatus mm-hmm. Um, With like, with like these strikes are very important and like these people's lives matter and like, and them getting the things that make them able to continue doing their work and surviving is like incredibly important. And that's like more important than like my desire to like see a, a fucking TV <laughs> show, you know?
0: Yeah, it was really great to see, uh, you know, a lot of uh, actors uh, and so forth who weren't necessarily striking, but standing in support of, uh, you know, their fellow um, Hollywood workers going on strike and and getting their their demands met. It was really cool.
1: Yeah. Is there some other stuff that got shut down recently?
0: No, the government talked about it like
1: they do. They, they always talk about it
0: <laughs> yeah and we talked about this last month and we said hey if it happens we will follow up and talk more um at a a last minute continuing resolution was passed right before the deadline of when the government would have shut down and i'm being overdramatic because it's, it's fucking every single time basically with very mm-hmm. few exceptions uh the downside of the continuing resolution form of the passing a budget is that it's basically like buying them another 30 days or however long the continuing resolution was for. So they still haven't passed a budget. Um, mm-hmm. They've just agreed to continue operating based on the old budget for a limited period of time. And I think their next deadline, I want to say, is like mid November or so. Um, the whole situation is complicated a little bit by the fact that they outed uh, the Republicans, outed the, their Speaker of the House. Uh, mm-hmm. And they don't have one, but they did pass this continuing resolution without having a speaker uh so it is possible It's just that they're dealing with um the other chaos of trying to elect a new speaker, and they have i think at least their fourth person that they put up for a vote is is up for a vote, so they're focusing on that a lot rather than dealing with the budget issues they need to deal with uh, so I still you know I continue to to say the same thing that I have said about this, which is that the government shutdown is very unlikely. If it does, it's likely very short. Uh, And even if it is very short, it probably won't affect very much because um, they have plans and programs set up to automate a lot of their stuff for at least a short period of time. It's only a major problem if there's a longer-term shutdown like we saw back in 2019, which is very unlikely. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And if it happens, we'll talk about it. Yay! <laughs> talking about stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. Not shutting down.
1: Cool. I hear you have some good news. So that we could um, we could talk about. I I do have some good news, but um, I kind of have like a a question about the economy for you. Now um, that uh, while we're like on the subject, um, give it to me,
0: baby. You know I love talking about economics. <laughs>
1: um, yes, I'm just it's. The, the like the reading i i read this article this week about this growing trend which is not surprising to me because it's like it's like seeing cuz it's something that a lot of us are just seeing in the world um yeah. but or experiencing ourselves um depending on like where you live um but there seems to be this like big growing trend in like uh in large cities especially like you know the bay area where there's like you know huge huge housing crises for a very long time
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is like you know driven by the tech industry being horrifying um but i read this article recently talking about this growing this thing where it has reached such a crisis that um that cities like Santa Barbara have, and uh, like some cities in like Oregon have like Mm -hmm. opened up parking lots where, um, that are there for people who live in their cars. Um, and it's catering to like a very specific, like demographic of people, which is like people who, um, make, too much money to apply for like government assistance, um, like Mm. housing assistance, food assistance, like anything like that. Or even like, uh, you know, like, like Medicaid or Medicare. I always forget which is which. Um, uh, But they do not make enough money to afford rent. And it's like this Mm. growing thing in the economy where like, like the, like the and the, like these are these are people who make like seventy two thousand dollars a year at oh like gover- at like government or state jobs who like can no longer afford to live somewhere, yeah, <laughs> and so they have to live in their car, and yeah, that- they yeah that's that's less of a question more of a what what's going on what's going on
0: yeah that level of problem where someone's making that much and still can't afford is is definitely more specific to larger cities and places where uh, housing costs costs are uh, significantly higher and housing is expensive everywhere right now it's it's out of control but you do have some places like the bay area la parts of seattle where um it is just just ridiculously inflated. Um, so yeah, making 70,000 a year is definitely way too much money to be getting any kind of assistance. You're, you're well above the poverty line, um, even in your allegedly high-income area. Um, but it's nowhere near enough to afford a housing payment for how much houses cost right now. Um, so, and I think there's always been some amount of people that that live in that strange Margin place of above the poverty line can get little or no assistance, but below what it takes to afford where they're living. That's not an entirely new phenomena, but yeah. it is uh, definitely much larger than it used to be. Um, you know, because we've seen this uh, astronomical increase in the house of pricing in the price of housing, uh, and inflation overall has increased the price of a lot of other things as well, making it um, harder to afford or afford all all aspects of
2: life and living
1: yeah and you know it's like this like the it's the thing where it's horrible it's horrible to me that it's something that people are paying attention to now that it's something that is affecting like middle class people um where it's like this you know this has been a lot of people's like realities for you know decades and decades um is like living in this like nebulous zone of like for whatever reasons, like not qualifying for government assistance or for qualifying for government assistance. Mm -hmm. But like that assistance, like not being enough to actually change anyone's life or like, or like uh, like get them housing or things like that. Um, And that that's like more what interested me about the article was like, like less that this is like a newer growing thing and more that it's like, it's something that is like starting to shift up like the uh, like wage scales and stuff mm-hmm. from like something that has always affected like lower income people and is now like starting to affect people who like w- would have not considered themselves like low income before. Yeah. Um,
0: the, the poverty line, what the government defines as being, you know, what what they call a the poverty line and they use that to measure uh how far above or below it you are, and then different services say you qualify based on your your income relative to that position. That poverty line um, does not change rapidly. The government does not make big changes to that. They make very small changes to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but meanwhile, we've seen in the last few years very rapid changes to um, the, the cost of living. And, and uh, it costs so much more for so many basic things right now but that has not been accurately reflected in a higher poverty line
1: particularly like wages housing.
2: yeah
1: um but yeah i don't know it i feel like my hope for like my hope for articles like this are like more more hoping that it like increases the amount of like empathy and compassion that mm-hmm. like more people have for like for like other houseless populations Um. Which it sucks that it takes, it sucks that that's what it takes for people to like have empathy. Yeah. We live in a hell world. Um, Yeah, we do. But, you know, sometimes in this hell world that we live in, uh, cool things can happen too. Are there wins sometimes? (laughs) There are wins
0: sometimes. Like Um, Like union workers winning and also other things winning. What are they? Give me hope.
1: Hope so. This 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 was a this was a fun thing that I came across this month. Um, and this has been like less like kind of like this month and more like a more like a thing that's been happening for over two years. Um, so in in twenty twenty one, um, in Oahu in Hawaii, Wait, there was a fuel leak from like you know naval naval bases. Wait, um, I was
0: there in twenty twenty one.
1: Oh, yeah, well, um depending on where you were, um 93,000 people were uh like had jet fuel laced water introduced into their their homes and the, like their water Ooh. drinking supplies. Um,
0: I feel like I would have known that when I was on my little vacation there if that was when I was there, but damn.
1: Yeah, it like the the <laughs> symptoms for ingesting it were like, you know, people having like migraines and like nausea and vomiting. Um, but and like while like a lot of people have exp- like those were like short-term symptoms for like huge amounts of the people who were affected by it, um, a year and a half to two years later, like people are like still experiencing um symptoms and complications from having ingested like jet fuel laced water. Um, huh. and some of those symptoms include severe anxiety and depression.
0: Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's... Maybe I did ingest some. Wait, I already had those <laughs> symptoms, but they're worse. Hmm. Okay, go on.
1: Yeah, um, and th- this sounds this sounds like it's grim, but there was recently a victory, which is that um, this initiative led by, I think it was like the Sierra Club and Oahu Water Protectors um, have been waging this battle against the U.S. military to drain these fuel reservoirs, which are it's like it's like miles oh yeah of tunnels underneath Oahu. Yep. That are like filled with jet fuel, you know. So it's like yeah. the the possibility of like leaks are is like astronomical. Like it's yeah. so easy for it to for for that shit to leak.
0: I'm gonna guess um, they were rapidly built in uh World War ii or something like that as
1: well. <laughs> yes. They are World War II era jet fuel tanks. Um <laughs> <laughs> that after like an extreme period of inactivity are finally finally being drained. Um, and this this was a quotation from uh, someone from the Oahu Water Protectors um, uh, who said, uh, we got here not because the U.S. Navy woke up one day and said, oh, we're going to do the right thing. We got here because of the collective voices of the people who are calling for a shutdown um mm. which is like i you know time and time again the thing that we find in these situations is like if there's like an environmental catastrophe that is also like a human catastrophe it's like it's not the government isn't like that's bad we should do something it takes like it takes thousands of people for 2 years like screaming and yelling at people mm. and like and fighting for for a change. Um and this is like y- you might think too that like people exposed to jet fuel laced water who are having like pretty severe reactions to those things that the local government might offer or the US military might offer some kind of help with that immediately. <laughs> you know? No. Come on now. It took a year and a half for the Navy to set up a clinic to treat people um, who had been exposed to these chemicals. Um, And, you know, it is, it is a hundred million gallons of petroleum. Holy shit. That is like sitting in these tanks that, that wasn't the size of the leak, but like, um, and like, yeah, two years later, like residents are like having their water in their houses tested um, because a lot of people's yeah. houses weren't, they weren't flushed. The system wasn't flushed. It was never mm-hmm. really dealt with. And mm-hmm. so like two years later, there's these like low but persistent traces of these chemicals in people's water. Um, but hopefully, hopefully that is at least like the larger threat of, a, of another leak um, is uh, hopefully not going to happen because of this victory from... From like indigenous water protectors in Oahu um, to like get the fuel tanks drained. Um, mm. Unfortunately, you know they're they're not just like like I'm happy for Oahu, and they're just moving the fuel to Singapore, the Philippines, and San Diego. Oh, so, God. so
0: yeah, it's just gonna spill somewhere else.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what so, do you do
0: though? I mean, what are there, is there a safe way to dispose of it? Probably not. Use it up, create more carbon emissions. I mean, yeah, lose-lose. Lose-lose-lose. Yeah, yeah. Pour it down a volcano. What could go wrong?
1: <laughs> Pour jet fuel wrong?
0: into a volcano. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fine. Fuck. You have some not trust. I do. I just want to say, I, I, I never trust the federal government when it comes to, to um, drinking water and people. I just don't. yeah that's one of those important things that we you know as we live like the world is dying here that we all have to prepare for and plan for on on our own and collectively um do not ever trust the government to keep your water supply safe and consistent it's just not gonna happen
2: nope yeah we
0: protect us it turns out (laughs) turns out all right other water things uh el nino um oh Okay, so this is funny to me. I'll tell the shortest version of the story that I possibly can. Uh when I was growing up there was uh, uh heavy rains um nineteen ninety-six uh, in the town that I well not just the town, but the whole this whole occupied California territory that I live in, um, suffered from extreme rainfall. This is Pacific Northwest, so we have a lot of rain anyway. So when I tell you there was extreme rainfall, that tells you something about how much how much rain there was and lots of flooding, lots of water damage there was a point when it rained for i don't know like i think it was 16 days straight or something like that just uh anyway it, and it was ascribed to uh el nino weather events and so for most of my life until like the last few years you say el nino and i think lots of rain that's all i understood about the El Nino weather events but well, we've been talking a lot about it this year because uh globally we have been in one since mm-hmm. uh, the springtime and it actually has to do with um water temperatures uh in the pacific and and uh airflow and stuff and actually has very diverse effects on um uh weather patterns uh around the world really uh, especially uh, right now in um north america uh parts of europe too uh so we may be heading into a winter that is colder for some and warmer for others. Yeah, And it was really funny in reading the reports on this. Um it came out from NOAA and then were disseminated by others with, you know, input from this or that meteorologist, climatologist, whatever, um, about what was going on. And it's you look at the maps and it's like, oh, the northern U.S. is going to be... <laughs> much warmer or it's going to be slightly warmer it's going to be the northeast no it's going to be the northwest the southern u.s is going to be colder in the southeast no in the southwest no actually it's going to be close to average so all that i'm really getting from any of this as i read multiple sources is that we really don't quite know what (laughs) what the winter is going to be like no one is being consistent and we're also in the middle of we still have a polar vortex that's pushing cold cold air down from the arctic um, but also average temperatures are on the rise globally because of climate change. And, and this year we're higher than uh, average for much of the year. So all of us say, who knows what winter weather is going to do, whatever winter weather prediction you've read, it's, it, it might come true, but there's another one out there that'll say the opposite thing. And uh, you know, who knows?
1: <laughs> Golly.
0: Golly, yeah. Just funny seeing so many headlines about it, and then they're all being totally contradictory. Yeah, except um, that possibly the central uh, so-called United States of America—not like what we call the central U.S., but like if you literally draw a swath through the middle of the country—that mm-hmm. uh, seems to be consistently predicted to be have roughly normal winter temperatures. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Kansas, Kansas, everything's probably going to be normal for you, and maybe Colorado too. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of us. <laughs> cool. Hell,
1: uh, hell yeah. I'm yeah. excited. Isn't um, that great? It is. Mm-hmm. To kind of get towards the end of the episode, um, I I did remember this this other thing that I wanted to tie in, which was um we we talked a little talked a little bit about like border militarization in and like how that relates to this like water pipeline. Um mm-hmm and this, this is in no way a new thing, but like just to like build this like larger, like linkage. Um, uh, So I like, you know, I live here in Arizona and like border militarization is like absolutely ridiculous. It's terrifying. Um, And I was thinking about this thing that I've like encountered a lot and people who live here have encountered a lot, um, which I realize a lot of other people might not know about, which is that. um, So one of the, one of the big, like uh, defense contractors in, that the U.S. military uses here in Arizona is Elbit Technologies, which is this okay. Israeli defense company. They de- they de- they design shit for the IDF, and they uh, you know very long time ago at this point they started to build this virtual wall here in Arizona, and it's this it's this series of like fixed towers that like build this like AI controlled map of the entire border in Arizona. And, Mm. um, the development on this is that like, that we, we used to in like doing like humanitarian aid work out in the desert. Like we used to joke that like the, the, uh, the towers that monitor like infrared and shit, like would Mm -hmm. get set off by like a cow or like a hot rock (laughs) or something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and since the development of like ai technology that's shifting and like Hmm. the so like so they are now plugging in the to these like monitors like a lot of like a lot of ai technology and i think the effectiveness of it which like at different points was laughable is going to like change a lot like so Oh it it's yeah it's just wacky and terrifying and it's like a thing that's being felt especially by like people on the Tohono Odom Lake Nation mm. um who have these who have these towers completely covering the reservation and oh. like who that makes people who like you know these are people who like like also face like large amounts of government repression and like Mm-hmm. uh becoming like fearful to like leave their homes and shit because they're like well they they I can't I can't go to that place that I normally go to cuz all those towers are there now right but yes. um all of this is to connect this thing that um that we are we're not going to talk a whole lot about it um but as I'm sure everyone knows um Israel uh recently invaded Gaza and or, you know, has their continued their continued of Asian invasion of Gaza has like reached new and horrifying levels. Um, and uh, there we we're not going to talk about it too much we, or we didn't cover it too much because there's so much information. And there are a lot of really great sources to like get like a lot more information than mm-hmm. we can responsibly provide on a segment on this show. Um, I have been reading stuff from Jewish currents and I've been reading some stuff from the Palestinian youth movement. Um, and those have been like really awesome, like places to like, see like more, like if you want, uh, if you want like updated timelines and things like that of events or like ways to support people in Palestine, through uh this genocide then mm. highly recommend people like learning more about this and um finding any way that they can to uh support people like on the ground in Palestine um yeah um but some kind of cool things have happened because of it like um in um Eugene over the weekend there was this big pro Palestine yeah eugene oregon (laughs) there's this big pro-palestine march and um this guy Mm -hmm. in a fucking guy fox mask gets out of his pickup truck in the middle of it and pulls out a handgun and like you know starts firing it into a crowd and then two like anti-fascists come up with their own handguns and like successfully deescalate and disarm this person. Awesome. Um, you know, without shooting him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was later revealed that the, the gun this person was firing was like a, it was, it was not a, it was not a live ammunition gun. It was like a oh. called like a splatter gun or something. But re- if you see, if you see the pictures of it, it looks like a fucking handgun. So like, yeah. hell yeah to the people who like, who, yeah intervened in that situation to like this hopefully prevent to prevent something that's like become like a horrifying regularity um yeah it could have
0: been a, it could have been a real gun thanks <laughs> yeah yeah we protect us
1: yeah um
0: hey speaking of war and conflicts, can i can I tell you yeah. a funny thing from war? Yeah, you,
1: you uh, have another funny thing. Or, you know, that that's not, the, these previous things weren't funny, but. Well, my opening Yeah, thing let's end talking. on a funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I hope this will
0: brighten up everyone else's day, too. Um, so, of course, this is not happy. There's a, a war going on against Ukraine right now. Uh, we're at, you know, 20 months, 22 months, getting close to two years on it. Um, <laughs> Ukrainians are continuing to fight and be badasses, um, and still doing things like uh, stealing equipment um, from the other side, uh, including tanks. Um, I don't know how much that they're still doing that, but we heard about that a lot. Like in the beginning, that Russians would abandon tanks and Ukrainians would take them. Um, so there was a Ukrainian officer. This was earlier this month, earlier October, who was uh, driving around in his captured uh, tank and started having technical difficulties with it. Um, so he took it to local experts uh whatever that means um and they weren't able to to fix what was going wrong with it it had some oil leakage and it was doing some other things um so he called the manufacturer of the tank which is a russian manufacturer that he called them and, and they're in russia is where they make them and called the russian people for uh tech support and they answered and the the person tried to help him problem solve the problems oh that were going God. on with the tank <laughs> You know, he just called up. And he said, "Hey, I'm I'm driving. Uh, you know, I'm I'm involved in the war, and I'm driving such and such type of tank, and I'm having these problems." Um, and he was he was generally having the problems with the tank, but the the call to tech support was just to troll them. I mean, he didn't really expect them to answer or get help, but they did. And then they were trying to like help problem solve through through the issues that he had and let him like lodge a, file a complaint about the issues with the tank.
2: Oh and I also god.
0: passed him along to like a a manager at the at the manufacturing plant, so he could further discuss <laughs> the problems that he was having with his stolen Russian tank.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Did he get the uh, Did he get the tank operational?
0: Uh, it doesn't sound like it because I think that really wasn't his end goal. He was really just, okay. like I said, trolling them. And um, uh, yeah. So he he ended up talking to a manager about it. Um, and then uh, you know finally let them know oh by the way i'm ukrainian i'm I'm fighting against you guys this is a a tank that we (laughs) captured uh you know earlier this year that's giving me trouble
1: thanks oh my god (laughs) that is like the that is one of the biggest like hilarious like you know whatever modern technology society like things that i've ever heard
0: (laughs) yeah they they legit you know he's speaking russian they had no idea it's just great it's really so there you go troll the bad guys when all else fails just maybe maybe troll them a little bit for the lols yeah yeah (laughs) um
1: okay well that i think that about wraps it up for this month in the apocalypse thanks everyone for for tuning in Hope yay that, October. Yay October. <laughs> what joys will November bring us? So many more. If you enjoyed this podcast, then live like the world is dying because it probably might be. Um, but you can also tell people about the podcast. You can support us in a bunch of other sillier ways, but you should really (laughs) just tell people, tell people about the podcast. Um, Let us help them. Yeah. And talk to people about like, you know, if, if stuff like this happens where you are, if you're affected by any of these things, like, like figure out ways to deal with it as a small community that can help your larger community. Um, and you can also support this show by supporting the publisher, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. Um, strangers is a media publishing collective. Um, we put out books and podcasts and zines and a bunch of other stuff and, and zines. And you can find us at <laughs> tangledwilderness.org and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. Um, And that money goes to paying our audio editor, it goes to paying our transcriptionist, and um, it goes towards supporting the publisher so that we can do lots of other cool stuff. Um, And in particular, we would love to thank these folks. Thank you, Patoli, Eric, Percival, Buck, Julia, Catgut, Marm, Carson, Lord Harkin, Trickster, princess miranda ben ben funder janice and odell ali paparuna milica boise mutual aid theo hunter sj Paige, nicole david dana chelsea staro jennifer kirk chris micaiah and haas the dog thank Mm -hmm. you for growing this list to such an extent that i am out of breath by the time that i am done (laughs) saying it um we hope that you, everyone's doing as well as they can with everything that's going on. And we will see you next time.